Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life, and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Our guest for today's episode is my dear friend, Casey Wheeler. Casey is a wedding photographer here in Nashville, as well as a wife, a beautiful writer, and a wise soul. Casey has been one of my best friends for a long time. We have traveled the world together, we've been roommates, and she was the very first person who knew that a guy named Carl Wilson asked me out on a date. But we'll tell you all about that in today's episode. I'm so excited for all that we have in store. Guys, today we are talking about mission trips. Mission trips have been such a huge part of my life and such a huge part of my faith, and I have gotten about eight zillion questions from y'all all about them, and so I knew we just had to do this episode. And actually, that's exactly how today's episode's going to work. Today, Casey is kicking me out of the host chair, and she's going to be asking me all of the mission trip questions we've received from y'all. I am so excited about this. Today, we're going to be talking about how you know if God's calling you to a mission trip, how to know which organization you should go with, how to prepare, what to pack, how to raise the money, whether or not it's safe to go on a mission trip. And we're also going to be talking about whether or not a mission trip is a good idea. We've heard that short-term missions sometimes does more harm than good. Is it even a good idea to go? And that's just the beginning. You guys, I cannot wait to dive in. Now, I have to give you all some warning. This episode is a little bit long, but it's such a good one. Y'all asked so many great questions, and Casey and I had a blast answering them. We get to tell so many fun stories. I'm so excited about this. And so, even though I know it's a little bit long, I don't think you're going to be mad about it. Also, make sure to stick around till the end. Casey and I tell a story about friendship that you are not going to want to miss. So, let's go ahead and dive in. Here's my conversation with Casey. Friends, thank you so much for being here for another episode of Girls' Night. I'm sitting here with one of my closest friends, Casey Wheeler. Casey, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm already having fun. I know, me too. Um, So Casey, before we get into anything that we have today, because we have so much to get through today, I'm so excited. Um, Can you just take a second to introduce yourself to us? Tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact. I would love to. So like Stephanie said, I am Casey. I live in the Nashville area with my sweet husband, and I'm a wedding photographer in the area. So I if you ever want to talk all things engagement, wedding, marriage, early marriage, we're still early in this. I'm all about it. Um, and I have been real life friends with Steph for a long time. So I'm excited to be here. And a fun fact about me. Well, maybe before we get into the fun fact, we should tell how we know each other, how we know each other, because that will lead into our fun fact. Probably. I I forgot to do that. So Casey and I met because we did the world race together. And if you are unfamiliar with the world race, you're going to hear way more about it today because that's today's all about missions. The world race is an 11 country, 11 month mission trip. So you go to one country a month for almost a year. Um, and Casey and I did that together and we were on a team together. And so we like lived together in some crazy situations all over the world. And then we were roommates in Georgia together because we ended up working for the missions organization that puts on the world race. Mm-hmm. And now we get to be real life Nashville, Nashville friends. So we really have been friends for like years and years and years. Yep. We've been through so much together. So our fun fact is like kind of, it's, um, it's a joint fun it's fact. It's a joint fun fact. It um, happened together. Can you, I feel like you should set it up. Casey. Okay. So 
Stephanie and I, like Stephanie said, went on the world race together and then we came back home and we both accepted jobs with the organization that puts on the world race. So we were moving to Georgia and when Stephanie was moving in, her dad was with us and we had beds and we had some stuff, but we didn't have any living room furniture. We just needed a couch. So we started praying for a couch and Stephanie's dad was so sweet about it, but he was like, girls, like... God is going to provide for you, but I think you should watch your expectations a little bit. You like, can't just ask for a couch. Like, don't be <laughs> discouraged if he doesn't just, like, drop a couch from the sky, you but know? we were so into it, and we were like, no, we asked for a couch because God's going to give us a couch, and we believe it. So we're, like, unpacking all of our stuff and getting settled, and we're driving out of our apartment complex, and we drive past the dumpster <laughs> and see this gorgeous huge, like, microfiber, like, not trashy, gorgeous couch. And we were like, there it is, Stephanie's dad. Yeah. (laughs) God has provided a couch. It was sitting, so it wasn't in the dumpster, because the person clearly couldn't pick up that enormous couch and get it inside the dumpster, but it was like... It was near the dumpster. It was either like, please take this other humans, or please take this trash man. And we said, it's ours. And my dad was like, just quiet, like, all the way to dinner. I mean, well, first of all, we had to get your truck and get it up in there and yeah. stuff. And what we did find out later was that while the couch was gorgeous and big and microfiber is super comfy, they clearly... There, there was strong suspicions. There was one downside to the couch. <laughs> and it was... First of all, let, let us say we cleaned it, we washed it. We, we it twice. Yeah, we used bottles of Febreze on it. I mean, we really cleaned this thing. We vacuumed it, everything. We have strong suspicions that they may have had the previous owners... May have been cat owners. <laughs> because, because, especially when it would rain, yeah. there would be just a, a slight cat pee odor that would just sort of fill our Just apartment. an aroma. Yes. <laughs> um, so one thing that I love about Casey is that, Casey, you were the very first person I told when a guy named Carl Wilson asked me out on a date. Dun, dun, dun. Um, you were there you for like were the whole... freaking out. <laughs> freaking out. So you were there for the whole first thing. But anyway, so Carl, at this point, if he were si- sitting here with us and hearing us tell about the cat couch as it became, as, as it came to be known, um, he would be rolling his eyes and telling us like that it's gross or whatever that we pulled it out of the, the dumpster. And complaining about how much that couch smelled like cat pee. Yet, let's be honest with how he many... He napped on it more than anyone. More than anyone. with his face, like, smushed in between the cushions. So, clearly, it did not bother him that much. Um, <laughs> I love this so much. So, Case, I'm, I'm so excited that you're here. Our topic for today, I'm really excited about it. And I, I knew you were the person, perfect person to have this conversation with. Today, we're going to be talking about mission trips. Short-term missions. I have... Missions has been an enormous part of my life and my faith, and I've been on tons of them. I know you have too, and you know we've done a lot of it together, but I get more questions about mission trips than I can even tell you. Like on Instagram, on my DMs, like um, in my inbox, I, you know, when I'm meeting with girls, like face-to-face, in person, speaking events, like I get asked about mission trips all the time. And I love talking about it. And I, and so I knew that I wanted to to have an episode where we really like unpacked some of these things mm-hmm. and talked about um, where I could answer some of these questions we've gotten. And so we actually did a call for questions on Instagram and we have a whole list of questions. And so we're actually going to be kind of flipping things today and you're going to be kicking me out of the host chair and you're going to be asking the questions. And I'm so excited because you get to do it on behalf of our amazing readers and listeners, which is so fun. Yeah. I love that. So 
listeners, friends, I am sitting in your seat and trying to be your voice so that we can get those answers from Stephanie. I think it's really important that she keeps getting these questions. I think that says something that God is trying to do in our lives, in our generation, in our communities. So I'm excited. I think we should just get the ball rolling, Steph. Yeah. So let's jump in. Um, to begin with, Stephanie. Yes. Can you give us? I'm a- nervous. <laughs> a brief overview of what mission trips you've gone on and in that, how you first got involved with missions. Yeah, totally. So um, if you guys have read my book, The Lipstick Gospel, you've heard the beginning of this story um, or you've heard like part of it. The way I got involved in missions to begin with was that I was tricked. Like I was straight up <laughs> duped to get um, to go on a mission trip. Because so, you had good friends. Because I had amazing friends who loved <laughs> Jesus. Um, so my best friend, Michelle, um, she... She, it's it's Michelle from the Lipstick Gospel, if you guys have read it. Um, the Michelle. The Michelle. Um, she always just dies laughing at that. Um, <laughs> Hi, Michelle. We love you. <laughs> yeah, we love you. So Michelle was interning at the college ministry that I ended up getting involved in really at the very, very end of my college experience because I didn't become I didn't become a Christian until like junior year my junior year of college um and so I started getting involved in a college ministry like very 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 at the very end of college and I ended up working for them the year after I graduated and it was just a huge huge thing for my faith but how I got involved in it is that when Michelle and I were studying abroad in Spain which is how I became a Christian in the first place um Michelle had been accepted as an intern for that college ministry for the next year and part of being an intern is that you would lead a mission trip every year and so she knew that over Christmas like you know right after Christmas, she'd be leading a mission trip. And she said, Steph, like you should come with me. And she started working on me for this like months in advance, like maybe even a year (laughs) in advance. And at the time she was like, you know, I'll be leading this mission trip. You should come. And I'm thinking, well, she's my best friend. She could ask me to do anything. And I would say yes. Also, I love traveling and vacations and the beach. I'll totally, like, I'm in, I'm in. Where was this trip to? Costa Rica. So I'm thinking (laughs) totally, like, I'm in, it's beautiful, the beach and like, I'll do anything for Michelle. So I end up deciding to go to Costa Rica and I found out very quickly that mission trips are not the same as a vacation and that we, we were at the beach for a total of like four hours out of two weeks. Um, and we were covered in concrete for most of the time. So it was just (laughs) not what I thought, but it was an amazing experience. I got to meet I feel like, you know, I had met God in Spain, but I feel like my heart kind of completed, like God kind of completed the shift in me when I was in Costa Rica Mm -hmm. um, over those 10 days. I got to be away with him. I got to be out of my comfort zone. I got to have some time that was really concentrated with him without the distractions or um, all the other stuff that was going on in my life. Um, I got to meet so many of my best friends that way. Um, I got baptized in Costa Rica. I mean, my life Mm -hmm. just totally changed in Costa Rica. And so so the reason that that kind of snowballed into other things is, is that, I mean, my heart was totally changed that, it, you know, in those like 10, 11 days. And um, when I got back, a couple of things happened. So one, like the day after we got back was when the earthquake hit Haiti. And I mean, you guys know it was like total devastation yeah. just, and I mean, still, mm-hmm. um, it was just total devastation. And I think for me, like I had never experienced poverty before and I had been to other countries, but really like as a tourist, I'd never really interacted with just the people that live there and live right. life differently than me. And so I know that Haiti and Costa Rica are not the same thing, but I saw a lot of, as I'm watching this news coverage unfold in Haiti, it felt to me like it really hit close to home because of what I just experienced in Costa Rica. And so I, I wanted to go and I wanted to help. And we actually will probably talk about this later, but, um, Haiti was actually like you just the, 
they needed a lot more help than just like the average college student could provide. So it was not a good time for just volunteers to go. And so I couldn't go to Haiti, but around that time, our ministry had another mission trip opportunity that they were like accepting applications for at the time. And they were summer long mission trips and they would actually pick where you went. So a committee would like pray about it and they would, you know, research all these different organizations. They have all these different relationships and they would tell you where you were going. Um, and it was this huge leap of faith for me. It was like this real departure from the plan I had for my life, but God had done so much in my life in those 10 days. I wanted to know what he was capable of in 10 weeks. Mm. Um, I ended up getting assigned to go to Ghana in West Africa and just loved it. And at the very end of that trip, I had kind of this other moment with God where like, I mean, God had changed. I mean, he'd done so much in those 10 weeks in my life that um, there was this moment we were at a, a debrief from the trip and I was sitting there praying about it. And I just felt like my missions story wasn't over. And like, part of me really wanted more. And then part of me was really scared of what that meant. And so I told God, and I don't know if you're allowed to do this. I'll have to like ask him in person someday, but like I drew up a contract with God and I made some conditions (laughs) and I said, God, I will do missions again. As long as it's not for more than five years. Like I really thought he was going to send me to China and never bring me back. (laughs) Um, which part of me was like, I could be kind of into that. And the other part of me was like, um, no, 0%. Absolutely not. And so I was like, God, I don't want to go for more than five years. I don't want to go by myself because I also pictured missions, long-term missions being this thing where you're just like sent off alone, which actually really never happens. Like you go with a team mm-hmm. in any sort of, or you meet up with an organization or something like that. But anyway, it's like, I don't want to go alone. And, um, I think those were my conditions. I don't, I don't want to go for more than five years. I won't go alone, but I really did. I drew up a contract for us and I like signed on the dotted line that I would do it again. And pretty quickly after I got back from that, I mean, really, it was like a matter of days. Someone mentioned the world race to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like, I got it done. I'd seen God do so much in and through my life in 10 days and then 10 weeks. And then the world race was 11 months. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just wonder what more is out there. And so, I mean, I prayed about it and cried about it and sweated over it and freaked out about the decision forever, but um, ended up deciding to go on the world race. And then when we got back, like you said, we were both offered jobs at the organization that puts it on. And so we were sort of domestic missionaries for Mm -hmm. another couple of years after that. Yeah. And I think there's some other like random trips in there too, but those are kind of the big ones. Yeah. You did keep leaving the country and because you kept leaving the country, I just want to know, like, it sounds like there were real hesitations. sounds like there were like things that you were hungry for, but also things that you were really unsure about. You had some conditions on it. So why did you keep going? Like, what was it about it that you loved so much that you would even be willing to like sit down and have a negotiation with God, which I'm sure he was fine with. (laughs) Grace covers the multitude. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, okay, little one, I'll be patient with you. So, I mean, I think that like, it was a lot of things. And, um, I I think as I'm talking about this, I'm kind of afraid that I'm going to like say it wrong just because Mm -hmm. there are so many pieces to this and this means so much to me for so many reasons. And so I'm going to do my best. I might miss something or say it wrong. But um, part of it was that like I really loved serving God's people and I really loved getting to know God's people. I loved getting to partner with God and the work that he was doing around the world. It kind of felt like I was thinking about this. My parents came out to visit in Nashville back in April. And while they were here, my mom has like a really green thumb. And Casey and I were just talking about this before we started recording, but I like have a notoriously black thumb. Like I just kill all my plants. That has been changing. I don't know how. But so I wanted to plant these like outdoor planters at my house. I just had been dragging my feet on it. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. 
Well, so my mom like has a green thumb. And so she was like, Steph, like, let's do this together. And so we went to the store, got the plants, got the potting soil, got all the things or whatever. And she's, we're doing this project together. And it was one of the most special parts of the weekend, getting to work on this thing with my mom. And it was really beautiful what we were able to create together. And it was really beautiful. Like it brought us so much closer together that we got to work on it together. And I feel like that's what mission trips have really been for me with God. Like we're working on something together and that's really special because we get to create something together. And it's so kind of him to allow us to be part of his plan in the Mm -hmm. world, but also it brings us so much closer to him by getting to work with him. So I feel like that was a big part of it. Also, I mean, really mission trips were huge for my faith. They were really transformative for me personally. Like I learned so much. I grew so much through them. Um, And it's funny because like, as I'm talking about this, I feel like kind of guilty saying the last two things, because I think we have this idea that we should, if you're going to do missions, it's like, you should suffer the whole time. It should be like a totally unpleasant experience. You should feel like you're pouring out. You should feel totally empty by the end. You should not enjoy it because if you do enjoy it, it's like you got something out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that we get really weird about our motives. We get really nervous about our motives with mission trips. Like we're worried that we're going to make ourselves feel good or something. And if we feel good, it's like maybe we went for the wrong reasons or something. And so it's a little hard for me to talk about what I get out of missions because I do feel that like that weird pressure that I don't even know where it comes from, Mm -hmm. but to say like, well, yeah, I really, I really enjoy them. Like I really love getting to be with God's people around the world and work with him and see other cultures and getting and get to like partner with him in that way. And like, it's changed me so much. Yeah. I think it's, it's, we get really nervous about saying that part of it, that it's like, we got something out of it, but it's also really weird to say like, these people's lives were changed because of me. So like, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like we can speak for other people. We can just speak for ourselves. And, um, it's cool how God, like when we, it's cool how we can serve the Lord and pour out and how somehow we also get something back. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, that's not why we're going. Even sometimes maybe that is why we're going, but God can still use us even if our motivation is off. But I, I think that like, it's really cool that these times when we serve and when we are out of our comfort zone and we're pouring out and when we're like sacrificing of ourselves for him, like we also get back so much. And I think that that's like, that's God being cool. That's like, uh, you know, anyway, I think it's since since you were just saying that when we sacrifice for him, we get back so much. I looked this up recently because I couldn't remember what the reference was. I still don't remember what the reference was, but in three of the gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus is quoted as saying, there is not a single one who's left his home or his mother, or his father, who won't be repaid 100 fold in this life and in the next. So like that, that exchange is biblical. We're supposed to, and I don't know if you know this, well, you do know what my job was when we were working <laughs> at the organization that runs the world race, but I was an interview specialist. It was my job to be the person who reads the applications and has the conversations and helped applicants decide whether or not and when they were going to go on trips with us. And so the the first question I always asked is, what do you hope to get out of going on this trip? Because I think it's really important for us to examine that. So I love that you said that first, because I remember thinking of that so much when I was going to Ghana, because it was my last summer, like mm-hmm. with all my friends, because I had just graduated college and it was like, all my friends were going to be moving away. And I mean, it was a really big sacrifice to mm-hmm. go for the whole summer. I was gone for 10 weeks. Yeah. Um, I remember exactly where on the page that verse was. I think I found it in Matthew. And I remember thinking like, it's, this isn't why I'm going, but it's really cool. Yeah. Like it, there's if, for a million different reasons, leaving behind these things mm-hmm. is really good and really important. So yeah, yeah I it is important that. that Jesus is quoted so many times saying like, 
when you do this for my name's sake and for the sake of the gospel, there is a cost and I know it, but I promise you, I've got something for you in return. Yeah. And, um, I just think we could go into that, but we won't, um, because I do want to get back to this because talking about motivations and feeling awkward about saying we're getting something from this, which yeah, God called us and he said, we do, he's, he's doing it for our heart, but there's a lot of conversation and a lot of opposition around, especially short-term missions. So there are people who just, who don't agree with short-term missions at all, or who hear that short-term missions do more harm than good. And so they're, they're afraid to go or afraid to be involved, afraid to even take the first step sometimes. What are your thoughts on, on that conversation? So I think that throughout history, that has been the case sometimes. There have been people who have gone into other cultures and either like treated them poorly or tried to act like their savior instead of Jesus, which by the way, we are terrible saviors. Like let's, that's not our, our job. It's not what we were asked to. Um, no. Um, or, you know, going in, the, go, going in with the idea that we're going to serve, but like being more concerned about, being more concerned about what we get out of it or um, never checking with the community to see what they need. Just like, right. Show, yeah. Showing up Parting and hurting what we think they need. Yeah. yeah. Instead of like, actually, actually being helpful. Um, like not going in with like humble hearts, like Mm -hmm. let me fix you. You know, there's been, there's been that in throughout church history, throughout missions history. Like there definitely are lots of examples of people doing this wrong. That's also true for here though. Any organization, anyone who's trying to help with anything, any, any, anybody, like we're humans. And sometimes we just, we get it wrong. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's because we had on purpose, like bad motivations. Sometimes we had good motivations, like or good intentions, but like got it wrong somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that that's true about any sort of anything really. Um, right. but it has been true about missions organizations. Um, sometimes like we do it wrong. The thing though, that makes me really sad about this is when we throw the baby out with the bathwater saying not don't do it like that, but don't do it like kind of writing missions off or short-term missions off as a thing that's like, it's all bad instead of there are things that we can improve on. And I think that like, I think that's really happened. We've focused a lot on the people, like on, on things that have gone wrong and really overlooked a lot of really beautiful things that have happened as a result. There's been so much discouragement around short-term missions. Like, you know, I think a lot of people really are afraid to go because they're afraid that they are going to do harm or Mm -hmm. they're afraid they're not going to do it right. Um, And I think we've really squashed this God-given desire in us. And I think that that's really sad. Yes. Ask questions about the organizations we're going with. Um, Ask them and make sure that they're being thoughtful and intentional with how they're helping. I've never been on a mission trip where we weren't either partnering with a local or living with a local. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the places we went on the world race, we were living with local people that weren't even missionaries. It was like a pastor of a church. And we just joined in with their church and just were offered our, like, we're just volunteers for the month. Or, you know, we like, we really lived with these local people people like just joining up with them and saying, how can we help? And so I think like asking questions like that, like how, how are you discovering the needs? How are you meeting the needs? What's kind of more of a long-term, like what's your, your long-term plan here? Do you have um, people that are always, you know, that are there continuously and then you bring in teams that are just sort of like the muscle behind whatever the project is. I, so I think that, I think asking those questions and just making sure that you're going with an organization that you agree with, I think, you know, it was funny. I was talking to Carl about this this morning. As long as we're going and like not trying to offer something we couldn't offer here, like there are things that we can offer people here. And those are the same things we can offer people overseas. Like, so he's like, if you're not a doctor here, you're still not a doctor overseas. Like you can't offer medical assistance. If you're a nurse here, you can, you can be a nurse there. You can help people um, in clinics. You can volunteer, whatever. Like, I think 
if you can offer someone like a hug, your presence, a conversation where you hear their story and you share your story and you encourage them. Like coffee, we, we know our lives have been changed by someone sitting down to us and like, or sitting down with us over coffee and just encouraging us. Mm -hmm. Um, we can offer those same things overseas. And so that was just one of the things he was talking about this morning. I honestly wish I just had recorded our conversation. I didn't know he was (laughs) going to like be so wise in the kitchen just randomly. But, but I think that that's really important is like, you know, know what you can offer, but your presence the truth that you know about God, your testimony, even just like showing up and being with someone is something that you can absolutely offer. Um, one of my very favorite mission trip experiences was we were in Guatemala and we got to go visit this like retirement community that really was more like an orphanage for, for the elderly than anything. And it was like, drop off your grandparents here that you don't know what to do with. And like, they weren't visited hardly ever. They like, no one spent time with them. And so we went to Guatemala, like I'm not a doctor or an engineer or anything like that, but I can love people and I can encourage people and I can spend time with them. And like, I know for me, like with my grandparents, they loved when I would come spend time with them and play games with them and talk to them and laugh with them and tell them stories and stuff. And like, I, we all need that. And so if, mm-hmm. if you know, your grandparents, your grandkids aren't going to come visit you in Guatemala, like, well, I'm going to fly there and I'm going to come spend time with you and just show you that you matter so much to me and to God that like, I would travel all this way to just come sit with you and tell you stories for the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that like, you know, we need to be clear about what we can offer. And sometimes like our presence isn't helpful. Like in Haiti, I wanted to go so badly, but like, it was not a good, it was not like all hands on deck. It was like, right. there are too many things going on. We need just people who can like solve this enormous, right. you know, it's like now it's a better place for volunteers anyway. So yeah, I think that, um, I think that short-term missions have been like, there are people not doing them the best. I think a lot of that has changed in the last mm-hmm. several years. Um, I think there are a lot of people doing a really great job and I think it's just worth asking some questions and making sure that like you agree with what they're saying, you know, their method, their, you know, mode of operation sounds good and sounds like it makes sense and that you're offering the things you can like, you know, some manual labor, some like, you know, helping hands, some, you know, playing with some kids, doing some, you know, vacation Bible school. Like there are lots of things we can offer. The only other thing I wanted to say, and I'm trying to like, not talk about this forever because yeah, I'm trying not to talk about this forever, but I think that one of the other big, there, there are two other big things that I think come up about mission trips. One is that people say, well, like there's so much need here at home. Well, like, yeah, there is. Mm -hmm. Um, but also so it's not go serve some other place, but don't serve here. It's do both. Like going on a mission trip to another country for a week does not take you out of the running to help the people in your backyard. Right. You still have 51 weeks to help here. people in your backyard. Yes, right. absolutely. Um, also God's people are God's people. And maybe like, I think we're all wired with just different hearts where we, our hearts beat for different things. And, um, so I have friends who like their heart is totally for, Americans going through this thing. I have friends whose heart is totally for Ghanaians going through this in Ghana. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's okay if your heart is is kind of like wired to really love a certain people group. It doesn't have to be your people group and it doesn't have to be a different people group. It can be like really whoever. The other thing is, you know, people talk about how like, you know, short-term missions isn't as good as long-term missions because what's the long-term plan there? In Casey, you and I have a dear friend who is on the race with us Kaylin mm-hmm. and, um, Kaylin did the race with us. So she spent, you guys spent, um, well, we all, we all did, but you were with her specifically right. a month in India. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so then Kaylin came back with us, spent like, was it two years at home? I think it was about a year and a half. Okay. About a year and a half at home, went back to India. How long was she there? You're, you tell the story. You're I think she was there two years. So in India, we were placed at, um, 
an, uh, an orphanage for special needs orphans in the Indian culture. Anyone who's born with special needs is believed to have been like, it, it's believed to be a punishment and a curse upon the family and upon that person. So they kind of just discard their kids who have special needs. And that can be anything from mental disabilities to physical deformities and everything in between. So we, we were there with a lot of these kids who are really high functioning and don't need that much care. They just have something going on. And so we would play with them and love them. And like, we're not trying to fix them. I am not a speech therapist. I'm not a physical therapist, but I can blow some bubbles, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if there are how many women serving how many kids, like, what, didn't you say it was like, was it one to 20 or something like that? It was, I think, I think more than that. So one caretaker to like more than 20 kids. Some, something around there. And they worked in shifts and they did, um, they had, they had a great system for what they had at the time. They changed it shortly thereafter and split the kids up into homes. And so when Kaylin went back over, she was a house mom to a group of those kids within a specific age range. And, um, she lived there, I think for two years maybe consecutively. Um, and, and she mothered those kids. She taught them language skills and shapes and colors the same way you would teach anybody else who's in the age range that she was living with. And so short-term can turn into long-term and now, well, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about that actually, but she is, she's keeping on with that motherhood role. She's been called to it. And so she's going to keep loving on kids in that way. And she's in the States now, her role is going to look different, but her time in India wouldn't have happened if we hadn't shown up there for a short-term trip with like no special skills other than we're here and we have two hands and we want to love you. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that so much. And I think that that's really the thing about missions. Like we kind of hate on short-term missions, like what good could possibly be done in that week. But the thing is like, it's, it's not just about that week. It's that week. A lot of times is an on-ramp for a whole bunch of other things. Like Mm -hmm. there's no way if we were like, Kaylin, do you want to move to India and take care of six special needs kids for two years and just be their mom? Like, she'd be like, I've never been to India. No. Like why in the world, why would you pick me to do that? It just was one of the countries we went to and it really like spoke to her and God Mm -hmm. like really worked in her heart then. And so she went back. And I think that that's like, whether or not it's a thing where it's, you go back those experiences like change you, your heart for the world is changed and you bring that into whatever the next thing you do is. And so, so that it's like, it's just the beginning. Um, I want to see if I could tell the story really quickly and maybe I'll take this out if Carl's going to tell it later, but he told me the story this morning that was so cool when he was in, he said that, um, he used to think like, man, mission seems like it's not like the most effective thing or where it's like, I'm trying to think of the word he used you know, like you're spending all this money to send one person someplace to change one person or to maybe change one person's life. Like it just doesn't seem like the most efficient. That's Mm -hmm. the word he used, efficient. Um, and he goes, but then when I was in the Philippines, he was like everything that my mind changed about that. Um, one, I think that God is absolutely in the business of like, if, if he wants to send you to another country to change, to tell one person about him and that Mm -hmm. one person finds out about him that I think to him, he has infinite resources. Like that is money well spent. Like he cares about each and every one of us that much that he'll send what like he'll weave together whatever needs to happen to, to gather us to him. Um, but Carl was saying in the Philippines, they were working at this like municipal, um, prison, um, outside of Manila. And their job was to twice a week, play basketball with the inmates and twice a week, um, have Bible study. And he said that there was a world race team that went eight years, eight years, 
no, eight months, sorry. That's quite the difference. Um, eight months before his team and they were in the prisons twice a week playing basketball, doing Bible study. And, and there, there was wasn't a, a team in between in those I don't, months. I don't know. I, maybe I don't think so. I, I, yeah, I don't think so. We'd have to double check with him. But, um, so while they were there though, this one kid in the prison, I think his name was Joel. Um, he told me this this morning and I'm like, write this down in your brain stuff. Um, <laughs> so I think his name was Joel. So he was one of the inmates and he got to know the Lord and like, just totally fell in love with him. And so in between the world race teams, Joel is leading Bible studies and leading Bible studies and just like you know, pouring into the, his fellow inmates, which Carl was like, that's so beautifully biblical. It's like, he was like, it just totally blew my mm-hmm. mind. It's like Paul doing ministry in prison. I mean, just the whole thing is so great. So then Carl's team goes, then they play basketball and did Bible study, play basketball, did Bible study. And Joel had been just, you know, ministering to these guys the whole time um, in between. And he said at the end of the month, they wanted to do some baptisms. And you know, they're in like this municipal prison, you know, outside of the Philippines. He's like, where are we going to baptize people? And he's like, I didn't want people to just raise their hand. I wanted to baptize them. Like I wanted them to be able to be baptized. And so he said that they found an old bathtub and they talked the prison guards into, um, bringing the bathtub into the prison. They like plugged up the bathtub and they found water and like filled it with water. And he said that they baptized 50 inmates that day. And Casey's crying and now I'm about to cry. Um, <laughs> totally cry. You're crying. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. Um, they baptized 50 inmates that day. And Carl was like, I think that if God said, I'm going to send a group of seven Americans to, to like impact one person's life. And then that person's going to impact all these people. And then I'm going to send another group of seven Americans who maybe are just, maybe Carl's job was no more than just being the bathtub carrier. Like maybe God didn't need him for anything else, but he just said, we need to get a bathtub in here. You can carry one. So they bring in a bathtub and like 50 people's lives are changed. And can you imagine like the ripple effect of 50 and 50 and 50? I mean, just, Mm -hmm. just how far that can grow. And so, yeah, I think that we, we want to get really, um, you know, what is the most efficient way to t- solve all these problems and change all these things? And yes, like there are people who are, are good at bringing clean water to places. And that's so important. And people who are, you know, educating people all over the world, that's so important. Mm-hmm. Building schools, building wells, building, you know, fighting in court, um, against human traffickers. And like, all those things are really, really good. All those things need to happen. Yeah. We don't need to single-handedly do all of those things. We just get to play our part. And I know for me, like, I can't do any of those things. My part is just maybe to like help fill the bathtub or, um, all you can give away is what you have. Oh, you, exactly. Exactly. But like, but we can, and we each have something and right. like you who are listening, you have something. And maybe it's like, maybe you know how to play a musical instrument and you can teach kids like music lessons, or maybe, maybe it's just like, I'm thinking about how badly, you know, our friends case who have kids who have one who could desperately use a day off and a babysitter, like mm-hmm. how much more would those like aunties who are taking care of all of these kids in India need an extra stinking babysitter? Yeah. Like, if we can, if you are a babysitter, like God bless you. There are so many women all over the world who could use a minute to breathe or cook dinner or clean their house or. I mean, I'll tell you, when we walked into that orphanage to watch those kids for the hours that we were there, those ayahs laid down and took some naps. <laughs> they for were so tired. Real. So, like, even so. if that's all we can provide, like, that's enormous. And even if it's like holding, you know, holding someone's grandma's hand because they're not doing it, like. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that like, maybe, I don't know. I I think that it's, it's just worth it. 
in the vein of we can only give away what you have, don't discredit what you have. Um, when we were in Rwanda, I'll never forget this because it was so healing for me. And I believe still to this day, so healing for the family that I encountered. But we went to the home of a woman who was a survivor of the genocide that took place in Rwanda. Mm -hmm. And during the war, she had endured some really terrible stuff, but parts of the pain that she was carrying were really similar to some stuff that's happened in my life. Mm -hmm. And so we had like similar pain that we were walking through and some stuff had happened to me that was similar to some stuff that had happened to her. And she told us her story and I got to look at her and literally say, Hey, me too. I know some of that pain. I know that mine is different. I know that our skin looks different and our passports are different and our language is different, but this pain feels really similar. And the only way that I was able to get here today is I did the work of forgiveness and I believe you can do the work of forgiveness too. So I prayed with her and we talked about it. We cried. I went back the next day and she said, I think I forgave. And her eyes looked so different. Her eyes looked different. She, there was just, there was a freedom and her two daughters were there. They were impacted. They went all through the village screaming about Jesus. I don't know what the long-term impact of that is, but I know that parts of my story that I thought would have discredited me were actually the thing that God was going to use in that hut in village in Rwanda to bring freedom to somebody who'd been carrying on, holding on to unforgiveness for way too long. Don't discredit what you have. Don't discredit your story. God's going to use it. That's, that's why God's in the business of redemption, of redemption. He doesn't leave any part of our story unhealed because he loves us too much to leave us broken, but he's also going to take those parts that we maybe think are actually unworthy of being used. And he's going to make those weak things his strength. I promise you that. So don't discredit what you have. Just because you don't have a medical degree doesn't mean you were not called to the nations. Uh, and now we're done with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Holy, oh my, uh, yeah, oh my gosh. Please. But we're not. But I'll jump off that soapbox. Um, Stephanie, though, let's jump back on track a little bit. And I want to get back to you personally and some more of your personal story. How, if you can sum this up, has hmm. missions changed you? It brought my faith to life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about this and I'm trying to remember what city it was. I'm going to really mess this up. But when I was in high school, I got the opportunity to go to Spain for the first time. And I think it was Toledo. We were driving through, we kind of did like a giant Spanish road trip, which was awesome. Um, but we stopped in Toledo and I think it was Toledo and they're really, um, famous for the swords that they make. So as a 16 year old girl, I bought a sword and <laughs> shipped it home. <laughs> So I have a Spanish sword at my parents' house. Um, there are all kinds of, like, all I kinds of... I've never tr- known that about you. <laughs> I have a Spanish sword, yeah. My, my parents, my bedroom at my parents' house, like, God bless them. They haven't turned it into, like, a workout room. But um, it has all of my, like, just treasures that I found. Like, this, like, sombrero someone gave me in Mexico one time. Anyway. And your sword. Um, and my sword. Stephanie's fun fact. Yeah, Stephanie's fun fact. Um, I own a sword. So, but I feel like our faith sometimes can be like that sword. Like, we're, we're given it or we get it and we have no idea how to use it and we have no use for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of gathers dust. And I think that our faith can really kind of be like that sometimes. It's like, we've learned this thing about God, at least for me, like, you know, I'm sitting on my bed every morning, I'm having a quiet time. And then I'm like, cool. All right. Now I'm going to go on with the rest of my day. And we've been given the Bible and we've been given, like, we've been given this relationship with God, this connection to God, this salvation. And it's like, it's almost like we don't have a use for it. It's like this just sitting there. And so the reason that I love mission trips and the, the thing that mission trips have really done in my personal faith is that it's like, it's a chance to try that sword out mm-hmm. and to be taught how to use it. And I think that like with mission trips, they're so cool because they're, you're so out of your comfort zone. You're in a different country. You're eating different food. You're kind of uncomfortable. You're sleeping in a different bed. You're with a different group of people you don't know. The language is probably different and you're doing work. You had no idea you knew how to do until you got there. And 
because you're out of your comfort zone, you rely on God so much more heavily. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the Bible doesn't go from this like textbook you're supposed to read to be a quote unquote good Christian. It becomes a survival manual for life. Mm-hmm. It becomes like your water, your food, your your answers to all of your questions. It becomes the the words you can use and share with other people to change their lives, you know, to watch Jesus like impact them in crazy ways. And so I think that like mission trips for me were really like getting out and getting to test out that sword and really be taught how to use it. But then the thing about it is that's not the battlefield. Like missions, I mean, it is in a, in a way it's, it's kind of on its way, but the battlefield, like really when you need these things are home, because when you're at home and you're in your daily life, first of all, that is your biggest opportunity for, um, impact your family, your closest friends, your job. Like if you're a teacher, the kids you teach, if you're, you know, the small group you lead, any, like the people in your closest circle, Mm -hmm. you have an ability to impact them in a deeper way than anyone else. And so those are the people that you need to know how to use this sword with, you know, how to, how to like encourage them and love them and pray for them and all these things. Also in your everyday life, you will encounter more resistance, more temptation, more like everything than you will Mm -hmm. anywhere else, more like temptation to be just complacent and just like not care very much. Um, and so I think that like getting out, out of your comfort zone and getting onto the mission field and being just surrounded by people who love God and getting to have all of the distractions turned off so you can just learn from God for a while. Mm -hmm. It is a chance to learn how to use your sword so that you can get back home and actually use it in your life. And so you're, you're like, you're not just sitting on your bed, just reading your Bible because you're supposed to anymore. You're like, living in the way that God teaches us to live in real life out loud in your everyday life. And I just don't think I, it's not that I couldn't have learned how to do that. Necess- I, I, for me in my life, I couldn't have learned how to do that without missions. Missions absolutely were the training ground and the preparation for everything I'm doing today. And I just, I think that every experience that I had with God by getting out of my comfort zone and, and serving alongside him and getting to learn from him and his people, I mean, it just, it totally transformed me. And my faith is so much deeper and wider and stronger than it ever could have been without that. Yes. Yep. Yep. Think that's it. Uh, that reminds <laughs> me. Recently, I heard um, this rabbinic principle, and remember, like rabbis were the original Bible teachers, right? Like Jesus was called by his first followers rabbi. Mm-hmm. So um, there's this principle that the rabbis would teach that you haven't learned something because you've heard it and you haven't learned something because you could copy it down and you haven't learned something when you could repeat it back to the person who taught you. You've only learned something when you're able to give it away, Mm. which is I think what you're talking about. Like, yes, get out there and use your sword and let it shift your perspective so that when you come back home and enter back into the place where you've been for your whole life, as you are, you see it a little bit differently and you've got a tool that you know how to use a little bit. I love that. I love that that's... Yeah, me too, girl. Hey, friends, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Casey. Isn't she great? I wanted to take a quick pause from our conversation to thank our sponsor for today's episode. Now, we have an extra special sponsor today, and I'm so excited about it. So like we've been talking about, Casey and I and my husband, Carl, have all gone on a mission trip called the World Race. Well, I was talking to a sweet friend of mine who works at Adventures and Missions, which is the organization that puts on the World Race. And when I told her that we'd recorded this episode, she said, Steph, we would love to support you in this. We would love to sponsor the episode, which is just the nicest thing. So with that said, our sponsor today is The World Race. I'm so excited to tell you more about them. Like you've already heard, The World Race is an 11-month mission trip where you travel to 11 different countries. Now, when I tell people that, they always want to hear which countries I went to, so I thought I'd list them off for you really quickly. Are you ready? 
Okay, I went to Romania, Moldova, Nepal, India, Tanzania, Rwanda, Uganda, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, and Malaysia. There are all different routes that leave at all different times and they all go to different places. So you could go to some of those countries on the world race or you could go to all different countries. There are so many different options. The way the race works is that you spend one month in each country partnering with local ministries, serving others with passion, experiencing different cultures, and going deeper with God than you've ever imagined. On the world race, you will learn about your unique calling in the world and what it means to be a modern day disciple of Jesus. Yes and amen to that, right? The world race is for men and women between the ages of 21 and 35, and truly, people go from all different backgrounds and for all different reasons. A lot of people go because they're tired of just listening to sermons and attending church. They want to act. They want to be the church. A lot of people go because they just feel stuck in their routine and they know there is so much more for their life. A lot of people go because they crave a deeper intimacy with Jesus and they want to strengthen their faith and step out of their comfort zone. And really, that's just the beginning. As you're hearing about in this episode, the world race was truly a life-changing experience for me. God did things in me and through me that year that I never could have even thought to pray for. And if you're looking for more in your life, in yourself, in your relationship with God, I really encourage you to check it out. Also, if you're a bit too young for the race but are in between the ages of 18 and 22, Adventures in Missions also offers a World Race Gap Year program. It's an opportunity to expand your classroom for a year and spend nine months traveling to three countries serving with Adventures in Missions international mission spaces as well as local partners. And soon, they'll be offering World Race Semesters. It's an opportunity for 18 to 22-year-olds to serve in between one to three countries for a whole semester. Friends, if you're looking to serve, to grow, and to go deeper with the Lord, check out all of the World Race programs. You can find out more by going to worldrace.org, and there you'll be able to see all of the different routes they're offering right now, all the different programs. Oh, and when you use the promo code GIRLSNIGHT, it'll waive your application fee. So fun. That website, again, is worldrace.org, and the promo code for a waived application fee is Girls' Night. A huge thank you to Adventures and Missions and the World Race for sponsoring our Girls' Night. We love having you. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Casey. So, I'm kind of going to shift gears a little bit because there are some really cool things um, that have happened in your life, like big moments that have happened specifically because of your involvement with mission trips, because you went. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Tell me about the big things that have happened. Um, Okay. So one of them is I've met like, honestly, most of my best friends through missions. Mm -hmm. Um, Present. Yes. Present. Hello. I'm here. Really, truly like some of my very best friends I've met through missions. Mm -hmm. Speaking of meeting people, I was nervous that um, when I was going to go on the world race, I was like in my mid twenties. I, it was the perfect time for me to like, it was like prime husband finding years. And I was so positive that I was going to meet my husband in Denver, Colorado, because I'd never lived anywhere else. Like that's clearly where he was from. So I thought if I leave during my prime husband finding years, leave the home that I, where I know he lives, I'm never going to meet my husband. Also like what crunchy weirdos are going to be on the world race? Well, it turns out like some crunchy weirdos and some all also some very normal, wonderful people. Right. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I, I did it anyway, just like took a breath, took a deep breath and, and leapt. And I absolutely met Carl because I did the world race. Um, and it's funny because I have so many friends that like really worried about that. But when it wasn't that like they said, no, I'm going to stay home. It's when they said, no, I'm just going to go and and do whatever the thing is, whether it's mm-hmm. like go back to school, whether it's, you know, do a trip, it's teach English in a different country. It's whatever the thing is that they feel God calling them to do. 
for so many of my friends, when they've stepped into that thing, that's actually when they've met the person. Carl and I totally would not have met if it wasn't for missions. Another thing though is I feel like God really prepared me. Like he revealed so much of his purpose for me when I was on the mission field. He also really got me ready for it. Um, I mean, at the end of the Lipstick Gospel, I tell how like I was in Ghana when he said, hey, like, could I write a book called the Lipstick Gospel? And so much of what I'm doing today, like I dreamed up on the world race and God mm-hmm. and I planned it together. And and so, I mean, I truly like, I am who I am today. I'm My faith looks the way that it does. I'm married to the person I'm married to. I live in the place I live. I live the way I live. I have the best friends I have. And so much of it is because of because of missions. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I could say so much of the same for myself. I took my first pictures on the world race. Yes, you did. So, oh my gosh. Um, I love that so yeah, much. I relate to that and I believe in that. And I want to get, we're almost done. And then we've got some rapid fire stuff to get through, but I do want to get a little bit more pragmatic yes, and talk about like literally Stephanie, you went to these countries and you met these people and it sounds like you played with some kids and slathered yourself in concrete. <laughs> That's not, she didn't slather herself in concrete. Concrete is just a messy job. Yes. If you've never been involved in that. Please it's don't messy. hear me saying that Stephanie was like dangerous about it. <laughs> but since I just misrepresented what you did on mission trips, can you tell us literally pragmatically, what did you do on mission trips? Um, yes, absolutely. So I think it depended on who we were working with and especially on the world race. It was so different depending on who we met, like what con- like local person we were living and working with for the month and what they needed. And really we were like, hands open, we're here, we're volunteers, we'll help however you need, whatever you need from us, we're in. And so, I mean, we did everything. When I was in Jamaica, we um, dug toilets. We, porta potties are really important because it's sanitation, like without proper places for us to, to do what we need to do, like sanitation, like it's disease spreads, like all these kinds of things. So, um, but porta potties get full. At some point. And not like the movable, I guess they're not porta potties, they're like um giant holes in the ground with like yeah. a seat on top sometimes. So anyway, they were full. And so we needed to dig more. And a lot of the people we were digging for, we were in the mountains of Jamaica, and a lot of them were like elderly. Um, we worked with one sweet man who um was blind. Like the holes are not shallow, they're like eight to ten feet deep or something like yep. that. I can't remember exactly, but it's something like that. So we like dug toilets for two weeks. I've poured concrete slabs. I have painted. I have cleaned. I have taught English, um, mm-hmm. which it's like, I know I'm, that's one of those examples where no, I'm not a teacher, but I am a fluent English speaker. Right. And so not to say that like, te- obviously teaching is this amazing profession where you need lots of schooling and like, there's an enormous difference between like a layman and a professional. But also when you're teaching like second graders who don't speak any English and you're a native English speaker, you have so much more to offer them than, mm-hmm. than you would imagine even without a degree. So yeah, we taught a lot of English. We did a lot of like, um, hanging out with kids and taking care of them. Um, we really would do a lot of work in schools, um, I'm trying to think. We um, partnered with some anti-human trafficking organizations. We prayed with people. We preached at church. We, um, I mean, honestly, all over the board. And it just depended on who we were partnering with and what they needed. And I think that that's beautiful. Like, you know, sometimes it was just our presence. We're just hanging out with someone's grandparents, you know? Right. And and sometimes we are really, like, doing a lot of manual labor. And mm-hmm. um, it just... I think that there's something so beautiful about showing up to someone who's already doing good work and to just say like, what would make your life easier? I'm here. And sometimes you do bring your skill. Like I remember in Moldova, 
you and I have experience in writing, in design, in formatting, and they needed materials, like written materials for their ministry. So yes. we wrote and designed some stuff. You yes. made a video promotionally for them. Yeah, so they could raise money in the mm-hmm. U.S. Like, I was a journalism major, so I made videos. Yep. Um, so... Yeah, that's so that's so true. Again, anything don't discredit what you have. Yes. God can use it. Yes. So. so yeah, I mean, we did things that were all over the board. And actually, this is I was going to tell this later, but one of my favorite things that I ever got to do was in Uganda. And we were going around and visiting schools and we would kind of we we were at this school. It was like we'd been there for like 3 days. And we split up. There were six of us there um at this school and we went like two, two and two. And so I was in a classroom like teaching about English or something like that. Um, my other teammates were doing something. My other teammates somehow ended up in a help class teaching about sex. And I don't know how that happened. I really have no idea how it happened. But what I do know is that our contact was like, or the person, or the pastor we were living with who is the best. He sends me emails every once in a while telling me that he's praying for me and Carl. And I just like, I just die. I need to go visit him. But so he uh, was like, can you guys teach about this? And the school was like, can you guys come back and teach about this? Because it turns out, and I, I get it, that a lot of the people in the in the towns where we were, a lot of the adults felt really uncomfortable teaching the kids about sex. So also, they just, they just didn't. And there was also so much misinformation. And so um, like there was a rumor going around that I think is like pretty widespread mm-hmm. that if you rape a virgin, it will you will be cured of AIDS, which is obviously not the case. Like, no information about how STDs are spread, like, no information really about, like, how you get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so they were dealing with a lot of, like, just sexual mess with these teenagers, and no one felt comfortable or even maybe had the resources to talk about it. And so it, the thing that made me think of this was when you were talking about being in Rwanda and your story being able to, like, provide something. Mm-hmm. So we sat down as a team. Our, our The pastor we were working with was like, can you do this again? Like, can you do this more? We're like, yeah, okay. And so we sat down and we're like, well, what perspectives can we offer? And the six of us each had kind of a different piece of our story. And some of it was like, you know, there one of our teammates had been sexually abused and she was able to talk about that. One of my teammates like had successfully waited until she was, I mean, she wasn't married yet, but like had never had sex. And she got to talk about why she did that. Like I had had sex and made some big mistakes that way. So I got to talk about that, which speaking of using your mistakes for like God's glory, um, I was able to talk about that. And so, and then I think we had um, someone who's a nurse and she could talk about like how STDs were spread and stuff. And so we case our, the pastor went nuts and all the schools started passing our names around. I I can't remember what the stat was, but there's a chance we talked to like 15,000 Ugandan teenagers Uh in the span of three weeks about sex and just gave sex talks. And that was just our thing. And like, it was was such a felt need. Yes. Like imagine what could change in some of those places where there there's water shortages, there's food shortages, there's job shortages. There are not enough people there to care for the kids that are there. And you can help them figure out like how, how to, to stop that at the source. Yeah. How to not spread disease and how to not get pregnant when you mm-hmm. don't want to. It was, I mean, it was crazy and it was so cool. And yeah, I mean, it was, we were able to make such like really an impact. And it was also cool because I think, you know, we think that people in other countries are so different from us and that we have, we don't have what they need. Like, yeah, that we, we can't offer them what they need um, because somehow they're really different from us. There's this one moment where this sweet girl came up to me after one of the presentations and she was like, um, Stephanie, like, can I talk to you? And I was like, yeah. And she said that her boyfriend had been pressuring her to have sex and that she didn't want to. And she wasn't sure like what to do about it. And like, how many times have I had that conversation with an American girl? Like a million. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it like same, same, you know, like she's, we all go through this. Like we are so much the same and being a high schooler in Uganda, there are a lot of things that are the same as being a high schooler in the U S. And so we got to talk about that and hug and cry and talk about how much she's worth and how she's worth like being loved and cherished and not pressured and all these different things. And it's like, listen, I can have girls talking in the United States or in Uganda. Same, same. We all need it. (laughs) We all need it. Anyway. So we've talked a lot about not discrediting what you have and knowing that like God, God can use you. God can use you if you're a nurse God can use you, use you if you're a student, God can use you if you're a writer. So how, how do you know if you're being called to go on a mission trip? Um, well, first of all, I think that scripture invites us all and actually tells us. I feel like there's a pretty broad answer to that. Yeah. And I, like we want, we want a personalized invitation that says like, Casey, I would love for you to come on a mission trip. Love God. Here's where you go. Um, here's who you go with. Here's when you go. And like, I think there are some times in life where God has a really specific plan for us. Mm-hmm. I also think that when we're already moving, God will guide us. Um, one, it's hard. It's really hard to steer a ship that's not moving or a car that's not moving. Like mm-hmm. it's much easier to steer you when you're actually moving or already moving. And so, yeah, God steers us. He opens doors. He closes doors. He puts people on our path, things like that. But like, there's an, there's a blanket invitation with all of our names on it in scripture, um, to go. And so I actually like pulled some verses and I just want to read them real quick. I'm just going to like rattle these off, but, um, the biggest one, great commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit and command uh, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. Um, Acts 13, 47 says, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. Um, he says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. Um, I love this. Romans 10, 13 through 14 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, how then can they call on the name? Hang on, let me, I'm messing this up. Okay. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in uh, the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? James 1 27, I love this, says religion that our God, that God, our father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after widows and orphans in their distress. There are just so many, like all over scripture, like God sends out his people to talk about him, to share his word, to take care of his kiddos, to like, to spread the good news. And like, it's all over the place. And it's, I mean, he says, go to all nations. Um, That also means our backyards. That also means all nations. And so we have a blanket invitation. Every single one of us does. God has said to you, if you have received the gift of salvation, you have also received the calling to go give that away. Yes, Yeah. exactly. All of us. And so I think like... What about more specifically? Well, if you, I think if you don't want to go overseas... I don't think you necessarily, necessarily have to, like it's God's, you're not going to be unsaved. Like God still loves you. But I, I do think that it's like, God's inviting you into something really cool. It was funny because Casey and I, right before we started recording the, these like song lyrics popped into my head. Um, and it's who's, who is it? Who first did it? I think it's United Pursuit. Okay. Okay. United Pursuit, but it's a song come away. And it says, come away or come away with me. Come away. It's never too late. It's not too late. It's not too late for you. And then it says, um, I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. It's going to be wild. It's going to be great. And it's going to be full of me. And I just feel like that, that song, I've listened to that song in so many different countries and it means so much to me. Um, 
But I think that that's what God's saying to us is he's saying like, kiddo, like, I want to show you some things. Like I have an adventure for you. I have parts of myself and parts of my, my kingdom and parts of the world and parts of my people that you haven't gotten to see yet. And I want you to, I want you to see them. And so I I think if you want to say, no, I will not go like, okay. But I also think maybe try it. Um, you don't need to be a missionary overseas forever. Maybe that's not the thing that's like wired into your heart. Like we all have different things that we're kind of naturally pulled mm-hmm. towards. Like mine is girl talk, you yeah. know, um, mine is like, you know, 20 and 30 something women. Um, so we all have different things. Like, you know, for Kaylin, it's India. Um, for, for all of us, it's different things. So and I will say I have been pulled out of my comfort zone and stretched and pushed and changed domestically too. Like I have served in the inner city in Massachusetts and in the hills of Tennessee and in the desert in California. And in all of those things, like big impactful stuff happened because I left my home and I left my comforts and I was put somewhere with people I didn't know in pretty uncomfortable and unfamiliar places. I still spoke the language. I had that Mm -hmm. benefit, but like, if you're not called overseas, maybe that's okay. Listen to what God's doing. If you have like a heart that beats for Africa, girl, that is unique follow that. (laughs) Not everybody has that. So I think it's okay to listen to the Lord leading, but if you hear something in your head that's saying, yeah, but you're not called, that's a lie. You were called. Yep. It's just a matter of where. It's a matter of where. It's a matter of when. Not every season is the time for you to go on a mission trip. If you're in crisis or you are struggling with something that's really got a hold on you and you need help with it, that is not the time to go to the bush of Africa. But if you will stay home and find some healing and push through that thing a little bit, you'll have that much more healing to give away. So listen to God on the timing. Listen to God on the location. But I think what Stephanie's saying is like, we have a blanket invitation from God. You were called to go into the nations. That's going to look different for every single one of us, but also you very specifically who's listening to this right now, God ordained this minute at the beginning of time. He knew you were going to hear this and he's calling you too. Yeah. So listen, listen for where he wants you to go and don't put expectations on it just because you're hearing our stories or you've heard other stories. Like you can go to Montana or mm-hmm. you can go to Madagascar. You might go to both. Yeah. <laughs> it, but and if you go to one, doesn't mean you can't go to the other. Right. Exactly. There's not a limitation on this. Yeah. And I think also like the one thing I want to say is don't like allow, you know, we talked about shame in terms of being shamed, like ashamed of wanting to also you know, benefit Mm -hmm. in, in like these experiences. Um, so like take that shame off, but also like, don't feel like shamed into going. Like it's, there's no such thing as a good Christian. Like you don't need to, you don't need to perform or, you know, do like, there's nothing you can do to, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. You going to the bush of Africa or going to Montana or going wherever will not make you love, will not make God love you more. He's just inviting you into something for your sake and, and, and for other people's Mm -hmm. and in all different seasons that'll look different. I'm in a season right now where like, I'm not overseas as much. Do I want to be? Totally. Will the next season be that way? Probably. Today, my ministry and my mission field is really like Nashville, Tennessee and the people that I get to impact, like, or that I get to talk to on a podcast and things like that. So it's not, every day is not the right day for a mission trip, but also like, I don't know if there's ever a right, a right, like it doesn't have, you don't have to have this specific word from the Lord that says, this is the very moment you shall go. Mm -hmm. Guys, if you, like, if your heart is beating right now, as you're thinking about like another nation or a people group or something, if you want to help, like go help. 
Also, if your heart is beating because you feel kind of sick thinking about doing this, that also doesn't mean you maybe shouldn't go, which I think might've actually been your yeah, next we're question. We're going to jump right into that <laughs> in just a second. I'm just going to add, like, you don't, you don't know if doors are open if you're not knocking on them. Mm-hmm. So if your heart is racing right now, or you feel like this pit in your stomach, like, oh no, they might be talking to me. Go knock on some doors. So maybe not all of them will open, but you're never going to know if you don't knock. And, and you have the invitation right now from us. Go knock, go knock on some doors. So Stephanie getting into that pit in your stomach. And I know that you have like, Oh, you have a lot of experience with this. If you are terrified, like if you are super scared to go on a mission trip, is that some kind of sign? Like, does that mean you shouldn't go or not? What do you think? I have felt scared every single time I've ever done anything truly. Like I feel scared every day. (laughs) I feel scared. Every time I have to do something new, I felt out of my mind terrified before every single mission trip. My trick, if you guys want to take it, is that I sign up well in advance, like way in advance. I signed up for the world race like a full year before I went, um, which was maybe not a good idea, but also good because I wouldn't have done it. I get, I'm, I'm more of a chicken, the closer things get. So I try to like really like lock myself in. So that's what I did for the world race. I applied, I like paid the deposit and I had started fundraising. And so by the time I, I wanted to chicken out, which I absolutely called them and said, Hey, I think this is a mistake. I think I should probably not go. By the time I did that, they were like, okay, well that's okay. But like it's past this deadline. So if you do that, your supporters will lose all of their money. And so I was like, okay, well now I'm stuck. And I cried myself to sleep like most nights until I actually left because I felt like I had bit off way more than I could possibly chew. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I went. I'm so glad I went. I was absolutely supposed to go. And I think that that's just, that's honestly what I found is I'm, I am scared before I do anything. And I think that that's just part of being a human doing things that are bigger than you. Mm -hmm. But when we do things that are bigger than us, we get to see God do the best things. And so I think that it's like, do not wait to do anything in your life, no matter what it is. Do not wait until you're not scared. Uh, you will never do anything if you wait until you're not scared. The, the trick is to just <laughs> yeah. do it scared. Yes. And and y'all know the difference between like, I feel scared of this because I think I'm supposed to do it. And I feel negatively about this and it's probably not the time. Like there is there is room for discernment, but if you if you feel like a simultaneous excitement, I would say, along with just like sheer terror and you want to talk yourself out of that excitement, but you kind of like, there's a tiny part of you that can't push through it. Do it scared. I totally agree with you, Steph. Do it scared. Whew. All right. We are entering rapid fire questions that have come from Yay. your sweet girls. And we're going to try to knock these out like as fast as we can. So okay. rapid fire, Stephanie, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's All go. right. One. What have been your favorite countries? That's really hard. I love them all. Uh, Nepal is the, like the most amazing country. It is so beautiful, so unique, so different, so special. Um, I loved Nepal. I also loved getting to be there with you, Case. All right. <laughs> you, you are single-handedly the best person to ask this question to. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> Do you need to be outdoorsy to go on a mission trip? <laughs> Oh my God. No, nope, 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 nope. You know, if you uh, guys could have seen Stephanie's pack, when we went on the race. like stuffed full, put a picture of it in your show notes. You I will. It's huge. It like <laughs> swallows me. Um, I went to REI right before I went to, um, right before I was going on the world race. And this like very outdoorsy woman was like, great. You, all you need is two shirts and two pairs of shorts that were obviously hideous. And she goes, and you just wash them in the sink every night and, um, you can wear them the next day. And so really, you really should only need like four articles of clothing the whole time you're gone. And I'm like, 
I like burst into tears on site and was like, this was a horrible idea. Uh, it turns out that's not true. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to live your life that way, that's fine. There's not some my deal. Where that might be appropriate. Yeah. But if you're going to leave the country for a year, you just want some you like, probably need to look like you. Yeah. You want some normal clothes. Anyway, um, I did create a packing list for the world race, which, um, I can, you can link I can link to, but, um, anyway, um, no, you don't need to be outdoorsy. I am probably what you would call an indoor cat. Um, <laughs> Um, Michelle said that one time and I died laughing. Um, I just, I really am not outdoorsy. I'm from Colorado. I'm the worst Coloradan ever. Um, my parents always wanted us to go like skiing and hiking and camping and biking and all these things. And I just, I'm more interested in them now because honestly of my mission trips, but no, I have no outdoor trekking experience at all. And if I can do it, you can do it. Okay, next question. How do you raise the money for a mission trip? Because they can be really expensive. Yes, I would say, so two things. One, the way that I've always thought about it is we as people, I think tend to give money away for different reasons. Um, it's a tax write-off. Like we, um, there's some stat I heard yesterday last year, we gave more money away. I think just as Americans than we ever have ever, which is really cool. Um, yeah, isn't that sweet? Um, so we like, we're giving money away and the way that I always thought about it was, um, you can either you donate to all kinds of causes. Yes, please. Also, if you want to donate to a cause and also get to know the person who's doing the work, that's what a mission trip is. Um, and so we were feeding kids in Uganda. If you want to feed kids in Uganda and you also want to like get to hear the story and like know the person who's doing it and also invest in the person who's doing it, that's great. So that's really, that's kind of the way I've always looked at fundraising. Um, but whatever missions organization you go through has coaches, has resources, has materials, has all the things to walk you through this. So really like talk to them. They'll be able to help you. That's really what they're here for. Yeah. So it's possible. We've done it. Totally agree. Speaking of organization, how do you know which organization to go with? Um, I would say one, like if you go to a church, you really like go with them. A lot of churches do overseas missions. And so if you trust your church, like your church, trust them, follow them, go with them. Um, it's also a great way you get to bring back your friends. Like if you're from the same place, you get to know each other overseas and then you get to come back and like still be friends. Yeah. Which is awesome. Um, the other thing is there are some really good ones that we'll link to on the show notes, just, um, organizations I've worked with or worked for or gone with, but ask around, ask around your faith community for people. Like, I mean, there are tons and tons of options and most of them are great. Yeah. Do your research Mm -hmm. and then you'll know. Just ask Um, them questions too. Like if you have a question about their methods or if you have a doubt, or if you want to know how something works, call them. They have, that is exactly what they're there for. Do not let doubt or fear or indecision or laziness keep you from doing this. Um, like reach out to them. (sighs) Sorry. Preaching now. (laughs) Sorry guys. Um, we talked about this one, this next one a little bit already. How do you know what to pack? Ask your, ask the people because it depends on where you're going. It Mm -hmm. depends on how long you're going for. Really talk to them. They're there. They will have people whose job it is to coach you through the process. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're great at it. So talk to them. Good. This one's a doozy, and this was one that, like, I had to wrestle with a lot. My dad did IT security for the Department of State, this small (laughs) organization that you may have heard of based out of Washington, D.C. So when I left, like, this was a huge question in my family. It was a huge question that I had because the way I was raised with that kind of parent. Are mission trips safe? So a couple things. One, talk to the organization. Maybe don't go into war zones unless you are really prepared and have some plans in place. 
so, I mean, talk to them and, and like, yeah, if they're, if the country's going through a major political upheaval, maybe pick a different one or maybe mm-hmm. wait a little while or something like that. The organization will have a really good pulse on that, especially if they're the kind of organization that has people there on the ground. Honestly, I feel more safe in other countries than I do in the U.S. Other countries, they may feel unco- unfamiliar, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean they're less safe. Yeah. Um, and the things that we hear from other countries here, like the impressions that we get, we're getting like fifth hand maybe we're not the we don't really know what it's like to be like in the culture and in the vibe of other places until you're there yeah so yeah I mean I've I've felt incredibly safe mm-hmm. um I've found good health care I've found um like everyone to be so kind mm-hmm. and like yeah there's the one-off person who's like not great but we have a lot of those here too so yeah. I, I just truly don't think that we are any safer like you said earlier, we're not any safer going to the grocery store here than we would be going to the grocery store in a different country. Like honest, usually. Yeah. So, um, be smart, be aware, you know, keep an eye on just, especially what's going on maybe politically in the country that, you know, at that time, but like generally I I really, we can't control our safety here, here in the U S and we can't there either. And so I think we just like choose to not be controlled by fear. Yeah. I just thought of that quote from the Chronicles of Narnia, when they're talking about Aslan, and he says, but he's, is he safe? And the answer is, of course he isn't safe, but he's good. I love that. I love that, too. Um, I think that's, like, life. Yeah. yeah. This one is tricky. Uh, don't you miss your people when you're gone? Oh, my gosh. And yes. how do you deal with it? I mean, I, like, I'm, like, the homesick queen, you know? Like, I live in Nashville, and I'm, like, always homesick for Denver. But, you honestly, you, like, you, you deal with it. And, you know, I missed, I've missed things by, by being overseas. Honestly, I've gained so much more than I've missed because there's the occasional, like maybe you miss a wedding, maybe you miss, you know, some time with your family, but also most of the time your people are just like doing day-to-day life. So mostly what you're missing is like, you're missing maybe the, like two highlights and a whole bunch of really ordinary days. Mm -hmm. And by going, you're going to gain so many highlights and so you're going to come back with so much more than you missed and your people, you and your people will pick up right where you left off when it comes to like, you know, I know with, I worry, you know, I'm a, a, honestly a big worrier and, um, anxiety is kind of a thing in my life, especially these days. And so I worry about like my family's safety or something. And so I think it's an easy thing to be like, what if something happens to my family when I'm gone? I mean, the truth about that, like safety, you're not saving your family by being here. Like yeah. you cannot keep them safe by being close to them. You just can't. And if something happens, like God forbid, like you can go, you can fly home just like you can here. Um, you can't prevent it by being here and and you're not going to gain anything for them or for you by hovering around them for their whole lives. Um, I know I've tried, so, um, (laughs) but really like you you don't, you gain more than you miss. Um, the time goes by quicker than you'll imagine. You'll be able to pick up right where you left off. And then if something happens, you can fly home. Yep. Good answer. How do you prepare to go on a mission trip? I think, again, I want to just say, like, you do not need to be, like, a superstar Christian. What does that even mean? Like, you do not need to have the Bible memorized. Very few people do. And, like, you just, you don't need to pass some sort of test before you go. So so take that pressure off. Um, and then I think in terms of preparation, really, I would say spend some time with God, pray about your trip, then try to go in with as open of a heart as possible. Because mm-hmm. God, if you let Him, will do really cool things in and through you while you're gone. Yeah. And so just... Try, like pray about having an open heart, go in with open hands. And that's like the very best way you can prepare. I love that. I think that's great advice. Um, so we are coming up on the end. Whew, such a big thing for your heart. I know. Um, do you have any last encouragement for the girl listening to this right now? Who's thinking about going on a mission trip? 
I think that it's worth it. I say go. Don't let fear hold you back. Um, You don't have to go forever. Try it. Answer God's invitation. He's saying, kiddo, I love you. Come away with me. Let's go on an adventure together. I have things to show you. I have things to teach you. I have things to do in you and things to do through you. And I just want to be the kind of person that says yes to that all the time. Amen. Is that our last question, Case? That is our last question. Okay. Well, okay. Before we go, I wanted to tell a really quick story instead of doing, um, cause you know, we normally do our last like podcasty questions and, um, instead of doing them case, I wanted to, um, tell our coffee packet story. Okay. This is kind of the story of how Casey and I became friends. Um, do you want to tell, do you want to tell it? I can start it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, I feel like we're a married couple. Like, honey, you got it. You want me to tell it? You start. Wait, you're better. <laughs> so, The real truth is that when Stephanie and I met, I was like 10 out of 10, a hundred percent convinced we would never be friends. (laughs) I thought we were so drastically different. The problem is really, we were so much the same, but I was like, this girl and I are never going to click. We're never going to get along. This is not going to be a thing. And then we got put on the same world race team. And I was like, well, this isn't going to work, so let's get it done right off the bat. I actually sat Stephanie down at our World Race training camp and told her that we were probably never going to be friends, so we needed to figure out how to work together in spite of that. (laughs) And she was totally caught off guard. I'm knowing her personality now. (laughs) I I probably terrified her, guys. Stephanie, I'm sorry for that. (laughs) So we went into our first month and like tried to get along, but there were so many things like... I kind of wanted to write and Stephanie started writing these beautiful things and Stephanie kind of wanted to learn guitar and like start leading worship. I was leading worship all the time and like it was easy for us to be girls with not a lot of health in handling our comparison and our jealousy and we like everything we did we stacked up against each other like one for one how do we rank and by the end of that month like we were ready to kill each other Mm -hmm. we each separately went to our leadership without telling the other one and told them that they had made a mistake and they needed to split us up immediately our leadership was very wise (laughs) and in all of their wisdom and I think honestly just like not at all wanting to deal with (laughs) what we were telling them said I think you guys can work through this and so Stephanie uh, prayed about it for a minute because she had a lot more maturity than I had. I just griped about it. Stephanie prayed about it for a minute and then taught me like one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned. She came to me and she said, we are going to get through this and we're going to be friends. And I think the best way to do that is we need to pray for each other because it's impossible to not be on somebody's team if you're praying for them. And I've never forgotten that. The lesson was so big for me, but we decided when we went into our next country, we both bought these boxes of Nescafe three-in-one instant coffee that comes with like powdered coffee and milk and sugar. Like all in one. Well, the reason we did that is because the country we were in second was Moldova, which is tiny, tiny country, um, in Eastern Europe. And there we were in this really small town and there was like, there was no coffee shop. There was actually like no coffee. There was, yeah, there was no coffee and it was freezing cold. It like, it, it didn't snow somehow. Like we were like piling on anything we could find to keep warm. It was, everything was frozen anyway. Yeah. Everything was terrible. So, um, we, so we were really cold. There was no coffee and they had powdered coffee that was like crappy, but then like the luxury powdered coffee was the three in one stuff you were saying, which was yep. like powdered cream, powdered sugar and powdered coffee, which right now sounds horrible. But then it was like the delicacy of all delicacies. Right. And so somehow we got wind that we wouldn't have coffee. So we each bought these boxes and Stephanie decided that after we prayed for each other, not only were we going to pray for each other, but we were going to write down an encouragement 
that we got out of that time of prayer for each other and then trade off every other morning. One of us, instead of one of us would bring no coffee and the other one would bring two packets of coffee. So we could have just each brought our own every day and been fine, but we chose instead to bring each other coffee. So we would pray for each other and then get there. And whoever was bringing coffee would give that person the coffee and we would both exchange these notes of encouragement. And slowly God started showing us each other, I think through his eyes, like more and more, like I started to see the gifts and calling that were on Stephanie's life. And he, she started to see that in me. And we started calling that out and believing in it for each other. And we walked out of that month, like just best friends, totally best friends, <laughs> which I mean, eight months later, we moved in together. So <laughs> yeah. And we made it official. Um, <laughs> we spent the rest of our lives together. Um, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, Probably for sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Case, I love that so much. And I, I mean, truly, it really did. It changed our friendship. It started a friendship. And I mean, mm. I feel like it did not take very long. It was like a week or something. We, we just, yeah, it just cho- totally changed my heart for you. And, yeah. and it was like the things that I, it, it, like, I think I found out in that time of prayer that there was more than enough room for both of us yeah, and that both of us could be really tall and really confident and really like alive in our gifts and in our selves. Um, and that we could do it together, like holding hands. It wasn't like there was one top spot and we had to fight each other for it. Right. It was so cool. I'm so glad that we got to talk about that. Um, and I just love you and I'd bring you a, I'd bring you a powdered coffee packet every day. Casey, thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for being my friend forever. And I just, I'm so grateful for you and for your presence in my life and all of the things you've taught me through the years. And like, you just have been a mainstay for me and, and I am who I am because of your presence in my life. Like you have made me more me. And so anyway, I adore you and I'm so glad the girls got to hear from you and we need to have you on again so they can hear actually more from you. But this is, missions is such an important part of my life and my story. Mm -hmm. And this was so hard for me to like articulate. And so thank you for making it easy. And thank you for, for just making this, this episode happen. I love you. I love you too. You guys, isn't Casey amazing? I just loved her and I loved this conversation. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is that I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you ever want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog. And for every episode, we'll have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talked about, including Casey's contact info so y'all can follow her and so y'all can be friends. Truly, go follow her. She's so inspiring and encouraging and wise. Guys, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I can't tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Now, before you go, I want to ask you a little favor. Would you mind taking just 30 seconds to leave us a rating and a review for the podcast? The way that iTunes knows to suggest this podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' night. So if you would take one quick second to do that, that would be so helpful. And thank you so much to all of you who have left all those beautiful five-star reviews already. I can't tell you how much it means to me. Friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night, and it's such a fun one. I can't wait. See you next week.